Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. WGR. Uh, give me the offensive lineman for the Packers who was last introduced during pregame introductions. Kramer. Not as incorrect. That's a good guess, Kramer, because, you know, he was on that line. So it's not Kramer, and it's not Forrest Gregg, and it's not Thurston. So there's only a couple more. Time to relax and rewind. Rick, the final Packer offensive lineman. Announced during pregame introductions in Super Bowl One. Howard Simon. No, it's not him. There's only one more. There is only one more. There is, that's not it. One more. It's not Kramer. It is not Bill Curry. It is not... Howard Simon. Um, Forrest Gregg. No, I said it's not Forrest, damn it! It's not Forrest Gregg. It is not Kramer. It it's is the not- best of WGR. This is the garbage you give me? Zach, who's the lineman? And I'm going to say Bill Curry. No, I just said it was about Curry, David! The Nightcap on WGR. Sports Radio 550. Yay! Yay! It's the Nightcap. Joe DiBiase here on WGR. Hanging out with you for the next two hours. A lot of hockey to get to, some football in the second hour, some draft, some combine recap at 8 o'clock. But, you know, I went to Sabre game last night, so I've got thoughts on it, and I'm sure, like many of you, it's not, uh, they're not, not, not positive thoughts. They're not positive thoughts at all. I'm in a bad place with where this hockey team is at. Not just roster-wise, result-wise, just things that that's happening around the coach and uh, just things happening around the team in general. 803-0550 is the phone number if you want to get involved in the conversation today. Better way to get a hold of us, though, tonight, 550-550 on the text line, at WGR on Twitter. If you want to get any thoughts in, you can do it that way. Um, yeah, we had the coach on this morning on the station. I heard some of it. I didn't hear the whole thing. We'll play back the whole thing for you at 7.30, and we'll just try and try to make sense of it. Try to make sense of day-to-day decisions that are happening. Try to make sense of philosophy and really what the coach is really saying in these interviews because it just seems that every time that he says something, I got smart people on Twitter and at reputable hockey outlets throwing in my face that he's wrong in what he's saying. And I I think that, you know, we're at a point where he shouldn't be blamed for the entire collapse of the Sabre team this season, but we are at a point where he absolutely should get a big chunk of it. Last night I went to the game. I've gone to probably, do- to, I would even say dozens plural, of live hockey games where Connor McDavid was playing. 
His final two years in Erie went down there over a dozen times. And the game he played here for the Erie Otters, I saw that game. And the, his first game with the Oilers here, I went to that game. The one where he scored, what was it, like 18 seconds into the game. It might even be le- might be less than that. The one that he scores in overtime on a backhand on Robin Leonard. Pretty soft goal, but he scores it. And then last night, first shift for McDavid. He walks in and he makes a great pass over to set up Drysdale to give him a one nothing lead. So I was there. I'm always going to that game. I chance to see Connor McDavid live. There are this sport. There are so few players where you show up to the arena and you know that hey, that guy you know is going to give me a show. It's not basketball. You go to see the Warriors, you know that Steph Curry is going to give you something. You know Kevin Durant's going to give you something. You go to see the Lakers, maybe not recently, but for the most part, the last decade in the NBA, you knew LeBron James was going to give you something. You, same thing, any player, the Oklahoma City Thunder, you knew you're, you know you're going to see Westbrook and Paul George perform. It's the nature of that sport. NFL, top quarterbacks, you go to see the Patriots, Brady's going to perform. You go to see the Packers, you're going to see Aaron Rodgers perform. Patrick Mahomes, same thing. And hockey's different. You'll go to a Sabre-Penguin game, and you might not notice Sidney Crosby. It's probably a bad example, because it seems that Crosby owns the Sabres. But, you know what I mean. Ovechkin, same thing. You go to a random Minnesota Wild-Washington Capitals game, there's a real good chance that you may not notice Alex Ovechkin do anything in that entire game. Because it's the nature of the sport. The guys are only on the ice for, at most, a third of the game. And you're getting a moment or two if you're lucky. I think McDavid is a special player, and I think that he is the guy that no matter when you watch him, you're going to notice him. He's going to give you at least a moment where you go, wow, that's why he's the best player in the world. And he did that a couple times last night. He also missed a wide-open net. And last night, Jack Eichel was the one who had the moments. He was the better player last night. Two goals, both were great the one where he comes down on the short side and he flips it over the goalie's shoulders. Very few players in the league have that accuracy, that speed, and those hands that can make that play happen. He's an elite player. Right? What was the foundation? It was that tank and it was Eichel. It was getting one of the two, but we knew Eichel at least. And he's the goods. And we won the lottery. Darlene. Foundation. Foundational pieces. Darlene. Michael had this conversation about a week or two ago when trying to think optimistically about where the Sabres are. And one way of doing that for me was thinking about, hey, is there really any other team in the league that's got a better pair of players to start a franchise with? And there are certainly teams that you can argue have a better pair. McKinnon and uh, Rontanen in Colorado came up. Of course, Toronto, Matthews and Tavares comes up. Um, Lots of places have a pair that's debatable, Stamkos and Kucherov. But given Dowlene and Eichel's age, to me, they deserved, if not to be at the top, to be like right there, number two. And that's something this team has never had. Two foundational pieces like that. And they're young. Michael's 22. Darlene's 18. So why are they still losing? They fixed the problem. The problem 
after Drury and Briere left, going way back here, was they've got all the supporting stuff. They've got the help. They've got depth scoring. They've got depth on their blue line. They've got a really good goaltender. They've got a head coach who has, you know, a good resume. A very good resume. They had all the other stuff. They've got a decent pipeline of prospects. No elite guys, but they've got guys, hey, Drew Stafford, he might come up once. He might get up here one day for mid-first round pick. He might become something. Uh, Danny Paye, he might become something one day. Zach Cassian, this guy's going to be the next Milan Lucic. We're not talking elite prospects, but they had a pipeline of guys that you knew, hey, they're going to get their shot at some point and they could be really good. But what they didn't have was the two franchise players. Not even one franchise player. And what were they? A consistent 9-10 seed playoff race fall just short at the end of the year team. Good enough that when your goalie got really hot and your goalie got really good for a year or two, which happens with a lot of very good goalies in the league, a lot of Goaltenders in this league that are above average will have a year or two where they're Vesna caliber. Miller had that year. What were they? They were division winner. They were still out in the first round because they were missing the foundational pieces. The Sabres have that now. So you cannot put the blame on them. Not that anybody is. And you've got to label the problems as they don't have the supporting system that we once had. So... You don't have your Roy's. You don't have your Pominvilles. You, I mean, they have a Pominville. He's not the same player. They don't have their Vanics. They don't have their Talinders and Ludmans and Spotcheks and Miller. Like, they don't have the guys that on a really good team should be the supporting staff, the supporting system. And they need to figure out how to build that. And it is not the group that has been on this team this year. It's not Giergensen's. It's not Larson. It is absolutely not Vladimir Saboka. It is not Zach Bogosian or Marco Scandella. And it's not Carter Hutton. Like th- This group is not working because you have your two-star players that are. And I'm thinking back now to like how you change that. And, and I'm thinking back to the O'Reilly trade. And I'm thinking about... The, the the line that a lot of people use, which is addition by subtraction. And really, they got rid of O'Reilly. They traded him for Sabotka, Thompson, Berglund, first-round pick. And that has not become a lot. None of that has become your supporting staff. And now we're sitting here with a team that you need to change out that bottom six. You need Their caller called in last hour to show up in the Bulldog and mentioned how you got to keep churning the bottom six. You've got to keep going on that. You've got to sub it out. And why does it never get used, the addition by subtraction line of thinking, for a team's bottom six? Why is change only good if it's the guys at the top, the guys that perform? Because they're not good enough leaders? We're, it seems like we're always okay with, hey, change of culture, change of the locker room, change of all of that can only happen when you're getting rid of guys that are really good. And then we just kind of forget about that when it's 
players that have three goals like Zemgus Giergensen's. Those are the players that need to change out. And they need to start doing it. They have not made roster moves this season. They've been healthy for the most part. And that's another way to look at this season. Because teams that are very healthy generally are at least in the playoffs. The Devils last year were a really healthy team. They were top five. I don't remember where they landed, but I remember reading about them making the playoffs last year, and one of the things that was tabbed as the reason that they made it was that they've been a very healthy team all season. And this year, they've had injuries. Taylor Hall, in particular, their best player has been injured. And where does it find a team like the New Jersey Devils? Right at the bottom of the standings. So circling back around. There have been no roster moves here this year. Even the Anaheim Ducks this year. They've been terrible. Arguably the worst team in the league if they didn't have John Gibson in net. They made over 100 roster moves before the new year. Over 100. How many have the Sabres made? How many call-ups have the Sabres made? How many waiver claims have the Sabres made? How many guys guys have the Sabres put on waivers? There's just been no tinkering. There's been no depth management this year. They haven't been trying stuff. They haven't been experimental. They put out the same lineup night in and night out with the same guys playing the same roles. And in some cases, guys that have been doing it, not just this year, guys that have been doing it for year after year after year. And the two guys for that, and I really hate to be talking this way about them and Giergensen's and Larson, because I think they've actually been pretty decent this year for what they're supposed to be and what they're supposed to do. All year, it seems, they've actually had the puck. They've been cycling around the offensive end, and they've done a good job not allowing the other team to get chances. It's kind of what I want a fourth line to do. But at some point, if you're going to make change for the sake of change, you got to do it with players that are near the bottom of your roster. That's where I would want to do it. And you've got two guys there that have a combined eight goals on the season. I mean, that's that's a pathetic. To have two players, and it's not like they don't play any minutes. Like They play enough where I need to be getting more than eight goals. I mean, Giergens has placed 14 minutes a night, and... I got Larson just above that, just above 14 minutes a night. <laughs> Meanwhile, I got Jason Pomville playing two less minutes. He's got 15 goals. I need players that can score. I need players that I don't necessarily need to know what I have in them in my bottom six. And they've got guys in Rochester. It's not like there's nobody. I'm at a point where I'm thinking about what I want this team to do for the rest of the season. They're not in a race. They're not. They're, they might say they are, but you're nine points out. And you got 16 games to go. They've played themselves out of a playoff race. So at this point, guess what I'm doing? A lot of what I've wanted, or what they have done the past five years, where you get to the end of the season, you are no, you just, you're no, you're no position to make a push for the playoffs, and what do you start doing? You start playing young guys. That hasn't happened at this point. But what they need to do, I got a list of things I want them to do for the rest of the season. The nightcap doctrine, or decree, we could call it. These are things that I just I need for my sanity. I need the Sabres to at least even consider this stuff. They need to do a lot of it, I think. Not another game for Vladimir Sabotka. Wave him. 
He hurts the roster. Talk about addition from by subtraction, that would be it. TSN's Travis Joseph's on a show up in the Bulldog earlier. Here's Yost on Saboka. Vladimir Saboka should be an absolute layup. He is sub-replacement level. He has been for a couple years now. His game is consistently eroded each year. That is the type of guy, if I'm Buffalo, I'm finding any team who's buying on grit and, you know, in the room, locker-type guys, all the stuff that you can't measure, and it's probably noise and junk anyway. I'm trying to trade Vladimir Saboka. Wave him. Number two, play Casey Nelson every game. He's got to play the rest of the season. You've got to find out what you got in some of these guys. If you need to figure out a guy to scratch, why don't you throw Marco Scandella into the scratch rotation, as I'll call it here. Because right now, McCabe's hurt. Who are guys you might consider to be scratched? It seems like Nelson's always in that consideration. Hunwick's certainly in that. Right now, I'd be picking between Scandella and Hunwick and who to play on a night-to-night basis. And to be honest, right now, I think Hunwick... Like, I don't mind Hunwick. Everyone's on him, and understandably so. He's a veteran player who's overpaid that the Penguins made us take in a trade. So I get that. But really, like, the analytics aren't terrible on him. Like, he's a... He's a in his prime, he was a decent bottom six or bottom four uh, defenseman. And at this point, he's not as good as he was, but he's still serviceable. He's not Josh George's to me, where he's just a liability... He's a decent skater. He's decent at moving the puck. He's not great size. Like he's not. I'm not trying to argue that he's some great player, but I, I, I mean, he's not going to kill me. I think if he's my sixth or seventh defenseman. So I'd keep Hunwick and Scandella as the two guys would be wanting to scratch right now. Man, Scandella, the skating is gone. It seems, and I, it's weird that it happened so quickly because I thought he was good last year. I was comparing him to Henrik Talinder a lot. Just a guy that I don't really think I know what he, he's great at. He might not be great at anything, but I don't really think he's terrible at anything either. Like, he reminded me of that last season, and this year has just been the complete opposite. All in all, the front part of that point, Casey Nelson, I need to play him. Last night, getting pucks to the net, making tape-to-tape passes over two, three lines at some points, being able to skate with the puck, being able to skate and, you know, keep your hips fluid enough to stay with a guy like Connor McDavid, which he did a couple times last night. They weren't matched up too much. Like, in, in general, I don't think Casey Nelson's the guy I want on the ice against the other team's top line, but last night it happened a couple of times, and I thought he played pretty well. There was one time McDavid tried to enter the zone, and Nelson blocked him from doing it, and then as McDavid tried to circle back to the neutral zone to try to reset, Nelson was, like, right on him, and I don't think McDavid expected that, and he knocked the puck off McDavid's stick. Like, he'll make nice plays like that. And I need to find out what I got there. I need to find out what I got in these guys quicker. And to do that, I need the veterans to play less. I need Tage Thompson to get some more consistent power play time. His shot is a weapon. If we're going to talk about development, put him in a spot where he can actually develop. And again, Thompson's not absolved from this either. He is part of the... I need to find out how good he is. Line of thinking. No more Baileys, no more Baptiste, no more waiting three years to be like, oh, he could be pretty good. No, no, I need to find I need to start to find out some of this stuff quicker. It's a young man's game. Players develop quicker than they used to. Let's see some evidence of that here. Call ups. 
One guy that I would bet a lot of people want to see called up, even two guys I don't need to see called up. I'll get to them in a second. The three guys they need to call up the most to me are Lawrence Pilot. Get him in here. Play, give him some top four minutes for the rest of the year. Send him back to Rochester after the season. Let him play in the playoffs there. But I want to see Lawrence Pilot up here because I expect him to be in this lineup opening day next season. I expect him to be a consistent contributor. I think he's good enough to, to expect that. And I think you gave him a year to try to figure out the North American game. Year two, I shouldn't have to wait any longer than that. Call up C.J. Smith. I liked him up here. I think he's a player that when he's not scoring, he's a guy I can have on my third or fourth line, which is not really the case, I would say, with the other two forwards that a lot of people would want called up in Rochester and Nylander and Olofsson. And I do think Smith creates offense. Like Even when he gets desperate, he'll just whip the puck at the net. And that doesn't work a lot of times because a lot of times there's nobody there, but sometimes it does. And at least he's trying something offensively. Good shot, good skater, get him up here, and then like Pilot, send him back to Rochester after the season. But give him some minutes here in the NHL. I want them to call up Sean Malone. When I was talking about the kind of rollover that needs to happen in the bottom six and the bottom pair on the defense, I think I think I would like to see Sean Malone at least attempt to be a part of that rollover. As I just played Travis Yost a minute ago, he called Saboka sub-replacement level. That's what the stats show on him. And I think that's what everybody's eyes tell him, too. Like, he might be a guy where the eye test and the analytics coexist and agree. If I bring up Sean Malone here, what's the worst kid that could happen? He's going to make mistakes? Rookie mistakes? I got veterans making rookie mistakes all the time. So what's the difference? You know, Malone's not super offensive, but he's a good skater, and... I, 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 let's find out if he can play fourth-line center for me. Because I'm not interested in bringing back these guys for year five, year six, when they're not becoming anything. Will Malone ever be more than a fourth-line center in the NHL? Probably not. But can you say it for sure? Not yet. Again, get to that answer quicker if I'm the Sabres. Because I know that I know at this point Larson and Saboka will not be better than fourth-line centers in the NHL. That is written in stone. They will not. Give me just a smidgen of upside with some of these guys. I'll need some room probably if I'm going to call up all those guys. And at this point, like I said, I I hate to say it because I've actually, for me, I've kind of liked their games this year. I'd wave Gergensons and Larson if I had to. They're RFAs after the year. I think for just change sake, Guys that don't really have any value if you were going to try to trade them. What am I losing out on if someone claims them? Really. It'd be sad to see the Gergensen's thing end with him being waived because the start of his career was just so awesome and it was so fun. Like him coming up. He was an animal in the AHL. The Amherst playoffs. Remember that year he was in the Amherst playoffs and he just sounded like a captain, a future captain. And then he got here and he had a pretty good start to his career. Decent rookie year. Then had to play first line center and didn't embarrass himself. 15 goals. Like, okay, maybe for a first line center that would be embarrassing yourself. 
yourself. But on that team, him scoring 15 goals, like, it's at least respectable. And it just, nothing ever happened since then. I think it's over with those two. It's over. I would not call up Alex Nylander. Let me stress that again. I would not call up Alex Nylander. I'm at a point with him where I'm just trying to protect trade value. And kind of in the 180 from what a lot of people might think here, which is like showcase. I want to showcase him. Well, if I want to showcase him, I want to keep him in the AHL where there's even potential for him to showcase his skills. Whereas I think you call him up to the NHL, like today, I'm not sure he's doing anything in the next 15 games, given what I've seen from him. And then that's where you could, I think you could hurt his trade value by calling him up here. I'm at a point where I'm, I'd be shocked if he becomes anything in the NHL at this point. I'm ready to move on from that in the offseason. I would take almost anything I could get at this point. That is a depreciated asset. That is a guy who is, yes, young, and that's maybe how you could sell a team on still acquiring him. Hey, he's only 20 years old. You might be able to get him uh, some fresh, fresh change somewhere, and maybe he could take off. I'm looking at him as this is year three in the AHL, and you are still barely cracking half a point a game. You got about the same amount of points as a defenseman Lawrence Pilot has as you, and that guy hasn't even played 20 games in that league this year. I would not call up Alex Nylander. Those are the things to me that I want to see for the rest of the season. We'll continue to talk Sabres. We'll hear from Phil Housley next. He was on with Howard and Jeremy this morning. We'll dissect what the coach had to say afterwards. And then in hour number two, we'll get into some football, some combine, some Kyler Murray, Josh Rosen talk, and uh, and more. On the nightcap, 803-0550 is the phone number. If you want to get in on the conversation, call here in the next five minutes. We'll get you right on before the coach in the next segment. Jody Biasi here on WGR. It is the nightcap. Joe DiBiase hanging out here on WGR. We're going to get to Phil Housley in just a second. He was on the morning show today. Want to get one texter's thoughts in on this. So he had a bunch of thoughts on what I was touching on in the last segment, kind of churning through. Need some turnover on that bottom six. Yes, please, Sean Malone. Give a smart local kid a chance. Give us something to root for. Do you unit better in a week? It's all coaching. These guys have NHL talent, but not being taught. I don't know about that part. Um, Housley strikes me like if he was an assistant coach, like he was in Nashville, I think he really knows what he's doing with defensemen, um, at least systematically. I don't know if he, I guess you can't really find an example of a guy that's been gotten better under him here, which you wanted to see happen. The idea of Housley coming in was, hey, Bogosian. Uh, has been struggling all throughout his career. I'm going to get this defenseman whisperer coming here. He's going to make him a solid top four D man. That's just not happened. We'll talk more about this in a, in a little bit. I got to get to we got to get to Housley here. Housley with Howard and Jeremy from this morning. Here's the Sabres head coach. We'll go to the Wester Hotline. Sabres head coach Phil Housley standing by. Phil, it's Howard and Jeremy. Good morning, sir. Good morning. Phil, second period uh, was the downfall again for the team last night. Three goals in three and a half minutes. As you're watching it play out, what happened? What were the issues in that stretch? Well, it was just uh, uh, basically picking up people and, and doing your job in the defensive zone. Uh, you, know, you look at the first goal; we just needed to step up. Like we're getting we're close to our coverage, but uh, McDavid, who's uh, you know one of the best talents 
in the game. Uh, you just got to have be on high alert and just step up and take your guy. Uh, second goal uh, in the in the second period is just just finding your D, and we can help on that guy coming down low, and and then just some mis- miscommunication uh, on that last goal at the end of the period. So it's basically just um, you know we just got to pick up our guys. We've talked to you. Well, fairly frequently about, you know, defensive zone coverage and breakdowns in your own end for, for the last little while on the show. Are you seeing the same mistakes over and over again that guys are making? No, there, there, there are different mistakes and things happen fast. And, you know, we continue to show them and we continue to work on it in practice, uh, albeit we haven't had a lot of quality practice time to work on it. Um, but it's, it's just mainly, you know, in our structure, it's just layers uh, uh, that you know when there's a breakdown because we're going to make mistakes uh but we have the layers in place to uh to help a guy out if he's fallen or he's lost the battle and and then from that point it's just sorting out coverage i mean it's it's just getting tighter to our to our man not allowing him to get a shot off or or taking somebody in front of the net and, and getting a stick so uh, we're going to continue to show him we continue to work on it in practice uh, as we move forward because I, I think we're doing a lot of good things with the puck. I mean, uh, we're scoring goals. We're creating offense. It's just sometimes in, in, when it comes back into our zone, it's just having that urgency uh, and, that, and, and being on high alert that something bad could happen if we lose possession. I wanted to, we wanted to talk to you about Rasmus Ristolainen and his, some of his struggles. When you go beyond the numbers, Phil, I mean, he plays, he plays every game, he plays, you know, 24-ish, whatever, 25 minutes. When you look at his analytics and his numbers, are there things that you see that you like about his game? Because he seems to be struggling with his decision-making. Well, Rasmus has been, you know, he's been in a, he's been in a, in a tough place right now because a lot of the things that uh, he's doing, it, it seems like it's coming back at him. The one thing I do like about Rasmus's game is his physicality and, and his competitiveness. Uh, you know, the matchups against uh, that he faces, like Ovechkin, and some of these heavy players, he does a terrific job of, of shutting these guys down. You can look at last night when Cassian's up on his line. He's playing a physical game, uh, and, and, and not a lot of te- guys on our team can, can play that way. It's just those other important times during the game uh, defensively are just the reads and being quicker to close and uh, and being closer to his man um, that we got to continue to work on with him. Yeah, that's what I wanted to ask you about, his decision-making. Do you think even, and maybe it is sometimes that physical aspect, like you can bring up the game in Florida and he, and he goes to hit Barkoff, but in, in the meantime there's a, a wide-open Panthers player and they score. Do you think sometimes when he's thinking about a physical side to his game that it takes him out of a play? Well, I think he's trying to do the right thing. You know, some of the decisions when we you know have a high forward in the offensive zone and He's trying to make a difference in, in stepping up and maybe guarding against if he does have that backside support. Uh, it's an awareness thing for sure. Phil, when it comes to usage of your defenseman, is there a, a way that you do it? You know, we can talk about how they play from a physical standpoint. We could talk about shot differential, expected goal differential. Uh, Casey Nelson, for example, took seven games to get him into the lineup after being called up. So when you're, when you're feeling your, your blue line, what is it that you're making the decision based on? Well, I think you, you got to look at your matchups. What, what gives us the best chance of success? And that's a big uh, 
important uh, some of the decisions that go into that and then giving our guys that are more on the offensive side more offensive zone starts um, especially your young guys uh, like Adalin and Nelson even uh, Montour uh, trying to find and use their uh, uh, offensive abilities to set them up for success so uh, and a lot of it goes into what type of team we're playing, how you know what, what type of forwards they have, the speed, or you know we try to shut down a line, um, and and or if they're heavy, if they're heavy players, uh, we don't want to put Rasmus uh, in, in in those situations and then too much. We're trying to give him the freedom to to um, you know use his offensive abilities to get on the attack. That doesn't mean he's not going to get these own starts. Um, but th- those are some of the decisions that go into it. When it comes to guys like Ristolainen or Marco Scandella, it, would it be fair to say that you are less likely to, to sit a veteran? And guys like Pilot and Nelson, it's developmental, but for guys like Scandella or Ristolainen, you feel they've played enough games that they've earned the right to play through any struggles? Well, I'm not going uh, to answer that question. I think the best thing is uh, you know, we're trying to give our guys – you know, we're banged up on the back end right now with uh, Jake and, and Bogo is uh, in a day-to-day situation uh, with his lower body, so we have to go with the guys that we have. And right now, um, the, the players that we have are very capable. Um, uh, they're doing a lot of good things. It's just, uh, it, it, again, it, those things that happen very, very quickly, and it's not so much all on the defense as well. It's a, you know, it's a five-man unit in our defensive zone that have to work together. As you look back at the season, I mean, Sabres fans would go to November and see first place in the NHL and probably know that that was, you know, a little bit uh, out ahead of your skis or whatever. And the last three months as playing at a rate of one of the worst teams in the NHL. I know, you know, you're going day to day, but as you step back and look at what has happened over three months, how do you look at it? Well, I think one thing that I look at is just our, our checking, and I could continue to talk about it. Because that's what really gives us success. That's what drives us. Um, you know, when we check well, we give ourselves an opportunity to win. Um, and even in the times that we did during that streak, I thought we gave up too much. Our goaltending was exceptional. Um, but I have always spoken about our five-on-five differential. If we, That's the one thing we can control is how we play without the puck. And at times we've done a really good job of it. And, uh, and we've played good hockey. But at times when we get away from it, it's very evident to me that we've got to t- continue to re- reinforce that message uh, because that's what's going to give us success. Phil, with the last three months and where the season has gone, Jason Bottrell has been very supportive of you. But I'm curious, do you feel pressure with what's gone from a 90% chance of making the playoffs to about a 2% chance in three months do you worry about your job security or even think about that at all? I don't even think about that. You know, I've got a job to do. Uh, I'm going to continue to, to try to push our group to get better. Uh, there's a lot of good things that have gone on. Um, it's just that, you know, we're, this is a result-driven business. And right now, uh, even though we're playing well and we're doing a lot of good things, we're not, we're not getting the wins, and, and that's a priority. Uh, so I understand that part of it. Uh, but you know, I come back, come you know, I come to work. What are the areas of improvement? What what can we focus on to get better? And and we continue to pound those messages to our group. Where do you feel uh, the team? You know, again, the issues have been defensively, and you've talked about checking and assignments. Where do you feel? In what areas do you feel the team has improved in? 
Well, I think there's a lot of good things. I mean, our record at home, we you know we we could have got our 20th win last night, which is um, you know a, a good job by our guys. Uh, I think when we have checked well, when we when we do the things it takes necessary to win, when we don't when we, when we don't have the puck, and that starts with our reloads uh, and our back pressure and our rush coverage. When we do those things well. Uh, I, I feel that we've done a lot of great things when we have the puck, uh, and that leads to possession because our entries are good, our offensive zone time is good. We're 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 getting a lot of uh, shot attempts. We're getting opportunities, um, and so I, I know that I feel that when we do those things, when we have the puck, we are getting enough chances. We're not getting enough chances to win a hockey game. It, it's just. When we don't have it, we got to continue to hammer that message that for us to be successful in a good team, we have to check well. When you mentioned uh, five-on-five differential there, is a, you, you want to have a good five-on-five differential. Is that shots? Is that goals at five-on-five, high-danger chances? What differential is that? It, it, it's it's five-on-five goal differential. And if you look around this league, every team that's in a playoff position is, has, a, has a, a good differential. And that's one of the things we continue to focus on. We have focused that on in training camp. At one point, we did have a good differential, and, and it has slipped. And I think it's just because of our checking and realizing in this game when it gets tight and, and the games are getting tougher that we have to rely on that. We can't get away from it. When it comes to the checking issues, Phil, is that focus? Is it is it more of a positional thing, or do you think players are just not – mentally focused on being able to do that all the time or having to do that all the time? Well, I think it, it starts with management. You know, <laughs> when you're coming up in the neutral zone, give us a better chance to, you know, get speed to the puck on the forward check instead of – and then we're on the attack. When we turn it over, uh, it comes back, and now we're sorting out things, and sometimes a winger is going to be alone. Now we got to communicate where that sentiment has got to go. We have to fill in different positions. Uh, and then from that point, it's, it's just about digging in and doing your job. It's uh, over two and a half months without back-to-back wins. How how do you possibly explain going that long without back-to-back wins? Well, it's tough. I mean, uh, a lot of those, you know, since the All-Star break, we were in 11 one-goal games going in the third period on the plus or minus of it. And I think it's just we just got to find a way to win those games. But, again, I'm just going to go back to it. Uh, we We – we have to just stay the course in those games. Sometimes we're, our intentions are good and we're trying to create something that's not there and, and we're forcing things and, and then it comes back at, at us. Uh, so, it, you know, it's a young team. We're going to continue to harp the message of just, of just having composure in those, in, at, the, at those times and, 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 and lean on our checking because eventually we're going to be the ones that are going to get opportunity. There's Sabres head coach Phil Housley. Come back after this break and talk about what he had to say and some other stuff with the Sabres. Continuing on my point, they got to churn out the bottom six, kind of roll through it. Tinker. It's kind of a fantasy football term there, tinker. I need the Sabres to tinker with their bottom six. 803-0550 is the phone number if you want to get in on the conversation. 550-550 is the text line at Sneaky Joe on at Sneaky Joe WGR on Twitter. So Nightcap, Joe DiBiase here on WGR. Welcome back to the Nightcap. Jody Biasi here on WGR. Just listen to Sabres head coach Phil Housley. If you missed that, it's on demand at WGR550.com. Don't have a lot of time here to get into that too much. So I'm going to take this opportunity in a shorter segment. 
to get into Game of Thrones a little bit. Trailer was released today, and it was glorious. Cannot wait. One month and two weeks. Less than that even, maybe. Next month, Game of Thrones returns. It's going to be epic. Here's my test for that show. That to me, like, that, you know, I am proof that that show is one of the best ever. I'm proof of that because I hate, hate wizardry, fantasy, not sports, but like the the OG fantasy, wizards, warlocks, witches, just no, no Lord of the Rings, no thanks, never touched it, tried it actually one time, hated it, no Harry Potter, no World of Warcraft, n- nothing. Don't like any of it. Was actually the reason that I didn't really give Game of Thrones a shot until a couple years ago. That show's incredible. Despite hating all that kind of stuff, the show is incredible. Trailer was released today. Spoiler alert quickly here. If you're not caught up, First of all, you should be because it's been two years, but I'll give you a quick spoiler alert to let you get out now, and then you can come back in five minutes when we talk more about the Sabres. Okay, you all gone? Good. Those of you that are still with me and are Game of Thrones fans, there were odds released yesterday from Bovada. They do have Game of Thrones odds, that's right, on who will be ruling at the end of the final season. And suddenly, yesterday, somebody appeared on the odds. And it was, it behooved me. Because I'm not a guy that like seeks out like fan theories and all, the, all that kind of stuff. So I'm looking at this name and I'm like, what is he doing on there? Number five in the odds yesterday to be ruling in Game of Thrones at the end was Littlefinger, who is dead. I gave you a spoiler alert, so if any of you are mad at me, you have no right. He appeared on the odds. I don't know what Vegas knows, but I'll just tell you this. I'm not going to go through what the fan theory is because I'm probably going to lose all of you that are still sticking around waiting for some more Sabre talk. Just if you're a big Game of Thrones fan, go search, and you don't know it already, go search Littlefinger fan theories. It'll blow your mind. My mind, I'm still thinking about it. My mind is blown from like this happening 24 hours ago. Oh, I can't wait. Next there are new seasons next month. Next month. All right, 8030550 is the phone number. We'll kind of recap what Housley had to say in the morning show, and we'll continue to talk about the Sabers. My kind of decrees that I would like to see them do by the end of the season. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. 
And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing, no hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step and into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply.